0: Bring is that you? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, August 29th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the capital city faces its second major flood event in two years. And the latest mission to Mars has ties to Mississippi. Plus, a group of football officials make history in the Magnolia State. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Recognizing the critical nature of this situation and in consideration of the health and safety of local residents, I have proclaimed a state of emergency in the areas that have been affected by or may be affected by the severe storms and the flooding.
0: That's Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves. Over the weekend, Reeves and other state and local officials began organizing the response to the flooding in parts of Hines and Rankin Counties. A week ago, the depth of the Pearl River was around five feet at the Jackson Observation Point, but steady and heavy rains during the first half of last week inundated the river's basin and tributaries, causing it to rise quickly and approach major flood stage. Residents like Cameron. Harris prepared for approaching floodwaters by taking measures to protect homes in the neighborhood. He spoke with MPB's Kobe Vance while filling up sandbags.
2: It's a little uneasy right now, but it's doing better, you know, thanks to the sandbags provided. Yeah. Um, were you all in the same area around the 2020 floods? Uh, yeah, yes, sir. What was it like? Um, well, the water got all the way in the house. Uh, it was worse. That was the first time that I actually remember the flood happening. And do you think this time y'all are able to
3: get more prepared because y'all have more heads up? Yeah, most
2: definitely, yeah, yeah, most definitely, yeah. Because it's not as bad as it was uh, during that time in 2020. It was uh, actually unexpected. It wasn't expected. This time we're a little more prepared. You know, there's people out here today, uh, especially folks that are just... Not even getting bags for
3: themselves right now; they're just shoveling for everybody else. You know, I wanted to get your thoughts on what it means as a community to be able to come together and get ready for this.
2: Well, um, it's a, it's a, it's pretty good to see the community coming together, especially uh, during times like these. You know, with all the confrontation going around, especially nationwide, um, it's good to see a, a local community come together and help each other out.
0: The Pearl River is expected to crest sometime today. Early for, earlier, forecasters had it reaching major flood stage at 36 feet. But now, officials are hopeful the crest will remain below that. Mallory White of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency shares an update with our Michael Guidry.
4: The latest reading this morning from the National Weather Service was 3536 um, that could be the crest. We're not 100% sure just yet. We're waiting to hear from the hydrologist from the National Weather Service. But I think one of the positive things is, is no matter what it crests at, it looks like we're going to come a, a crest under major flood stage, which is 36 feet. And so whether it's 35.36 or 35 and a half, We did come under major flood stage and so that is one of the, one of the small blessings that we're seeing in this, but the forecast did change a lot. Um, We were expected to crest um, on Tuesday instead of Monday. And so those changes happened over the weekend, which pushed folks having to react a lot quicker and it looks like they did. Uh, we've had no injuries reported to us at this time which is great Um, but i know people are itching to get back to their homes Uh, even though the pearl river is going to crest sometime today that doesn't mean that the water is magically just going to go away it's going to take some time for these waters to recede so there are you know roads still out there that are flooded and impassable and so we ask people Use your patience. Don't go back to your home until your local officials tell you that it's safe because they're the ones out on the ground, you know, combing these highways, combing these roads to make sure that they are safe.
1: There have been some reports of, of uh, energy providers cutting power to places that either were experiencing flooding or projected to experience flooding. Uh, is that something that you coordinate with electricity providers or is, is that something that they do um, on their own?
4: They pretty much do it on their own. Uh, they have made us aware of what was happening. And in doing so, whenever they're cutting the power off to folks, that that kind of causes a ripple effect, which is, is not a negative thing. It just means, all right, if we're cutting power to folks, we may have to open up a, an additional shelter and those types of things. So we do currently have two shelters open, one in Jackson, one in Madison County to help with those folks. I know um, the city of Bridgeland did a mandatory evacuation for a specific area because they were going to be impacted by those power outages and so it's it's a coordinated effort it's not something that mima said yes you do it they they made that decision
1: what are you telling people uh, as they kind of worry about their homes and worry about the area or other people who you know might have good intentions and want to help out um that are approaching flooded areas you know what is mima's message to people as we kind of wait out the this flood crest and, and wait for these neighborhoods to be accessible again
4: I would let the local officials do their jobs. If you know someone who's in need and they may be trapped in their house, I would contact local officials to let them know that um, they have the specific training to handle these types of conditions. And I understand the intention may be good, but you could be risking your life um, as well going in there trying to help Um and, again, just be patient and let the waters recede and don't drive on these roads because you just never know how deep the water actually is. And so, um, again, if anyone has needs any type of assistance, let your local officials know. Call the county emergency management agency and let them know because – Again, they have the training to handle this and there are resources. I mean, we do have two American Red Cross shelters open right now where people could go if they need some
3: assistance.
1: And you said flooding is a little bit different than, you know, tornado damage and what different dangers does flood damage present uh, as opposed to, you know, the the other kind of like tornado type damage that we're typically used to?
4: yeah so whenever it is time for you to go back to your homes, we are asking people to take pictures of their damage and um, take pictures of where the water line is on the inside or the outside of your house, so we can see just how high up it got but definitely use caution going back in there um if you know turn your power off gas lines off those types of things if you're going uh, back into your home uh. Of course, I said earlier, be aware of any critters that may have gotten into your home um, during the the flooding. And not only that, it is a good thing that the weather right now seems to be um, pretty nice and dry, but um, you're going to need to go in and and aerate your house, you know, air it out. Um, You're probably going to have to pull up your carpet and things like that. But keep samples of those types of things. That's something that... um, we I've recently learned that you need to keep samples of your carpet so you can um, see just how uh, wet it got during the flood and, and those types of things. Um, and if you have uh, any type of damage to your um, like your washer, your dryer, those types of things, we don't need to see that, but you need to take pictures of that for insurance purposes. What we need to see if you're going to report your damage to NEMA. Um, We need to see the actual structure of your house. Are are the walls intact? What type of roof damage, ceiling damage do do you have? And how high up is the water line?
1: Well, Mallory White, Chief Communications Officer with the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, thank you so much for this information.
0: All right. Thank you. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in the Vicksburg District have activated emergency operations due to Pearl River flooding. Engineers are monitoring conditions daily from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. The district is providing direct and technical assistance to the state of Mississippi and affected counties. They've sent a sandbag machine and a pump to Heinz County. They did that yesterday. Coming up, the latest mission to the moon has ties to Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on NPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. NASA is sending an unmanned rocket around the moon this week, possibly Thursday. It was supposed to be this morning, but there was a temperature problem with one of the four major engines. The -the state-of-the-art rocket was built by Aerojet Rocketdyne and was tested at the Stennis Space Center in Mississippi. Program manager Jeff Zotti tells our Kobe Vance how the RS25 rocket was prepared for this generational moment
5: there was a significant amount of, of hardware that was left over from the space shuttle program uh, and that included 16 space shuttle main engines and so um, we are reusing those engines to power the first four Artemis missions and so the uh, the engines are being adapted. Um, they were adding and upgrading the engine controller units, which are the brains of the engine, uh, right there at Stennis Space Center. Um, and because of the rocket and uh, the engines in the rocket are exposed to higher temperatures than they were on a space shuttle, we also are adding some uh, thermal protection system to the engines to protect the engines from the, the high heat. So um, over the last several years, uh, Aerojet Rocketdyne at Stennis Space Center has been busy adapting those um, 16 Space Shuttle main engines for use on the RS-25, and also certifying that new configuration.
3: What's y'all's experience been like uh, running those tests here in Mississippi? Is there any strategic advantage y'all see of having these in the on, on the Mississippi's Gulf Coast?
5: Yeah, it's a big advantage. Um, you know, there's a very uh, capable and talented and experienced workforce. And then also, uh, you know, Aerojet Rocketdyne has our assembly facility located right there. So, um, you know, we're testing in the engines in the same location that we're building the engines, and we could use a lot of the the, the staff, um, you know, to do both of those important things. Uh, We also work, you know, very closely with NASA in not only in uh, certifying the RS-25 engine, but um, uh, developing future versions of uh, the RS-25.
3: How does the RS-25 compare to rockets of before?
5: Yeah, well, the, um, I'll say the Space Launch System rocket, um, you know, there's no comparison uh, to rockets that are in operation today or in development. Uh, the Space Launch System rocket um, has two to three times more capability than than other ra- rockets that you hear launching. Um, and, you know, those rockets, they're launching to, to low Earth orbit, um, you know, which is, you know, roughly, you know, 200, 250 miles above the surface of the Earth. Of uh, this rocket, this rocket's going to be, um, you know, going to the Moon. So that's 240,000 miles from Earth. And and to do that, you need a rocket that has a lot more capability. You need engines um, that are safe and reliable. And that's the advantage of using the RS-25. Um, it's it's the most, uh, it's the safest and most reliable propulsion system in history. Uh, we've got over 1.1 million seconds of hot fire experience, um, much of that at Stennis Space Center, and we've also powered 135 space shuttle uh, missions.
3: I wanted to get your personal thoughts on being able to see these rockets set up. They've been set up now officially at, in Florida, ready to go. What are, your, what are you feeling? What are other people at Aerojet Rocketdyne feeling right now in pre- preparation for this launch?
5: We're, we're just excited. I mean, we're excited to be part of something that's new, um, something that's historic. You know, right there in, in uh, Mississippi, you know, last year uh, we were part of history when the core stage green run testing took place and we ran uh, for the first time four uh, RS 25 engines together and we loaded uh, propellants through the Space Launch System rocket. This is going to take that to another level. And, um, you know, we talk about, you know, our team, you know, we're part of the, the Artemis generation. Uh, we're, you know, the, the deep space exploration starts with this first launch. And, uh, and who knows where that's going to lead us. So it's really, really exciting to be a part of it, of it all.
0: Jeff Zotti is program manager with Aerojet Rocketdyne. The Artemis one launch is being delayed until Thursday due to an engine complication. Coming up, a group of football officials make history in the Magnolia State. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. History was made Friday night in the Magnolia State. For the first time ever, an all-female crew officiated a contest sanctioned by the Mississippi High School Activities Association, a football game between Murrah High School and Cleveland Central. Adrienne Barnes is the crew's head referee. She spoke with us in the hours leading up to the momentous occasion.
6: I've always been involved in sports so my mom was a coach yeah, so so um, you went to games with her. I, we went to games all the time. It was never a weekend or a game night that we were sitting at home. We were at games, and um, even the sports that she did not referee for, she always went to those to those games. So we've always been involved. Uh, all my uncles played college and professional football. Um, you know, my brothers. You know, I have nothing but brothers. So I played pee wee with them. I couldn't play at the high school level. My coach said it would be too much of a distraction. So, uh, but I kept stats, and, and back then we had to keep stats on the football field. So,
0: and now I understand there is a crew of all female high school referees. Absolutely. Has
6: that ever happened in Mississippi before? Never, never, not in any sport. Is it common around the country? Is not common. The um, only time it's happened, last year, I said September, um, Oregon put an all-female crew, a five-woman crew together. Um, Texas did an uh, all-female crew for their um, six-man, eight-man championship um, during that summer. But that's it. That's all we've ever had. That was it. How many are on your crew? Uh, we have 12, all women. That's huge. Yes, so from the clock operators to the chain crew to the to the seven on the field— all women. Whose idea was this? Curtis Lowe. <laughs> it was his idea. And who was he? He's, um, he's our high school assigner um, for Middle Mississippi Football Association. Yeah, it was his idea. We've all worked with him at some level before he became the assigner. Um, worked with him in his peewee league, junior high, and what have you. Or worked with him when he worked on the field with us because he's a college official as well. So um, this it was his idea. He threw it at me. Um, like I said, he he threw it at me last September. And it's been a go since he's been trying to work out the details of who was going to be on the crew. He came up. We, we had a 5 woman crew and we talked him into adding two more so we have someone um who came from another uh two from another association in the state and um who came down so we now have seven woman crew on the field
0: how do you feel about this
6: oh it's awesome coming from where i started where you know you you really you may see one female on the field period um you know and all the rest of us were in in uh working on the clocks we didn't get a chance to be on the field in droves. Like we have the same opportunity, uh, you know. We may have to work a little bit harder than men at this point, but we sa- we still have the same opportunity to get on the field. But you never did I imagine that we would have an all-female crew because it's, it's 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 considered a man's sport and it's hard. They they push back. In what ways? They don't feel like women should be on the field. I've worked on crews that that where the referee did not feel like a woman should be on the field. Um, and, and it's ridiculous to me. Were they mean to you? Um, not necessarily mean, but a little cross and, and, you know, and they would not, uh, when we are doing, uh, games or things that, where they would talk to the men a certain way, they would talk to me in a completely different way or talk over me or talk at me or ask another crew member, uh, what well, does she and I say, and I would have them. She does. And she speaks also. How do so, you handle that? Um, well, I'm a little different than some. Some are, you know, just, they just ignore it and keep keep going. I I I say something at that moment. I I correct it at that moment because that's just who I I I have my mama in me when it comes to that. I, I don't bite my tongue.
0: What's the hardest part of being a referee?
6: The hardest part is it's one thing to know the rules, but you have to apply the rules at the you know at the drop of the hat. So you have to be ready to um, throw that flag. And be able to know what the penalty is, and and move the chains, and and everything else, and give them give the penalty to, to the coaches. So that's the hardest thing, making sure that you can do it quickly, so that you're not holding up the game. Does it take a lot of study? It does. It should. It does. You know, I'm I'm a rules person, so I want to know my rules because one thing, you know, especially for women, the coach is going to try you on rules, so you have to let them know. No, that's not the rule. The rule states. Um, whatever. And um, so you you need to know that. And you have to study plays. You have to study, um, study the penalties. We, need, we have to know what those penalties are, uh, regardless of what position you're in. So everybody on my crew can give me whatever their flag is for and tell me what the penalty is right on the spot. So you're in charge. Um, we're all in charge. We're a team. But you are the head. So I'm the one who relays the information to the coaches.
0: Have you ever been booed? Because you know, no, it, I, I haven't. Male, female, you know, right? There's opposition.
6: No, I actually, I've been in situations where the male official has been booed, and I have not. So, <laughs> I haven't had that experience, and and most mostly because one, you know, we have to out hustle, we have to know the rules. So that's what we do. So we're doing what we're supposed to. You're going to always have people who want to be negative just because you're a female in sports. You know, again, I think it's ridiculous for them to give us so much pushback for for wanting to do a, a predominantly male sport when you have men that are dominating in female sports. The crew is all African-American females. It just happens to be out. We actually he did not think about he it. he didn't care about we, that. Nope. He just wanted an all-female crew. All-female crew. When we were um, talking about this last year and getting the uh, people on the crew trying to, you know, find, okay, who has the experience, who's been on the field, who's ready to be on the field, the thought of our race did not come up. And just so happens in, in middle Mississippi, we don't have any other race of women that are on the field. So um, when we put everything together, it wasn't actually until um, another interview um, where someone said the first all-female and all-black crew. And I was like, oh, wait, we are all black. So, I mean, I was like, that's great, too. So that means a lot, you know, being the first to to be this all-female crew and then having the opportunity for us to all be black. That's a big deal for the state of Mississippi.
0: Ultimately, what do you want to come out of this?
6: What I want is for little girls to know, you know, the same thing that my daddy told me. Don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do something just because you're a female. You can do it. And he always told my brothers, she can do anything you can do, and she can always do it better.
0: Well, so, hooray, Dad.
6: Exactly. He's my biggest, he is my biggest fan base.
0: Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to mention?
6: Um, Just that, you know, when... When we have the support of our signer, that's absolutely amazing. So Curtis has been with us the entire way. We ha- we do have some veteran officials that um, were there with us the entire time, along with Curtis. Um, um, Eric Blunson, whose dad was a former signer in this association. Um, also, Tommy Johnson. He He's trained ser- several of us on his crew coming up over the years. So, um, you know, Sherry Vaughn and I both... Um, actually came in on his crew as linesman.
0: So like anything
6: else, it's it's a passion, it's a lifestyle? It's absolutely, absolutely. You have to love the game. You have to do it for the love. I mean, the pay is is, is really good, but it's not great. It could be better. Um, but it's not about the money. It's about the love of the sport. You're out there and you're in the middle of the action. You are actually, you know, on that feel for the sports that you love. So, you, you know, you, you have to love it.
0: Adrian Barnes. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.